What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Shield. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, SHIELD, the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement and Logistics Division, is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. SHIELD's activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. There is a sudden flash and... and I'm awake. I'm in the biotube and I'm repaired. The tube opens and is is that Agent Sousa sleeping at my feet? It is. Why do I feel compelled to sprint to the next room? Why do I? There is a sudden flash and I'm awake. I'm in the biotube and I'm repaired. The tube opens and is is that Agent Sousa sleeping at my feet? Why do I feel compelled to sprint to the next room? There is a sudden flash, and I'm awake. The tube opens, and is is that Agent Sousa sleeping at my feet? Why do I feel compelled to sprint to the next room? There is a sudden flash, and I'm awake. I'm in the biotube, and... <sighs> Let's just start this episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 7, Episode 9, As I Have Always Been. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, there's so much to talk about inside of this episode, and I don't want to break the pace, so let's jump in. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software. Bloggers Bug and the St. Charles Office Center. Being thrown in feet first. This program has done this I don't even know how many times now. And I love it. Mm-hmm. I love jumping into storydom where we don't really know what's going on except that our intrepid team is doing something intrepidly right <laughs> and we are thrown in feet first and this is a perfect sample of that where you really don't know what's going on it almost feels like wait a minute where's the first four and a half minutes of this episode and that's terribly well placed as you start to have the repetitive action of the front end of this episode happen over and over again mm-hmm. especially with the ending of last episode where you know they just they go and then because because we were told well, you know, if we if we jump one more time, uh, we're going to blink out of existence. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And then we see them jump one more time, which makes us feel, oh, crap, they've blinked out of existence. So when this episode starts, you're like, well, Daisy seems all right. Yeah, there's a, buff- there's a bunch of buffer discussion that goes on inside of this episode that also addresses that very thing. No idea how the science is working. Got it. And as you and I have also many times explained, Mm. not only just for this show, but for Jesus, how many movies and television show episodes have we said where wouldn't it be interesting if they just inserted, I don't know, eight to 12 seconds of dialogue and everything's fixed? Well, and everything is fixed. Yeah. There doesn't need to be any particular like, my God, what does the what does the geo scanner show us about this time storm thing? Well, it doesn't make any difference. Yeah, yeah. It, it, does, it doesn't matter. Right. We know that there's peril. Right. We don't know how much peril, though, until later on in the episode. Right. We right, get that right, there's right. peril, and then we we're, it, it does get ratched up a little bit later on, but 
at this point in time, it's like, oh, okay, so we're, we haven't blinked out of existence, but it's going to happen if we don't figure out what's going on. Right, and I would postulate that in the last episode, we are going to blink out of existence. I think that that was totally viable, mm -hmm. and then it wasn't viable. And now this is a completely different adventure that has no mechanical reliance on the previous episode, and inside of this one, it doesn't really have any mechanical reference either, mm. except that we've got to stop what's going on before the number dips down to one. That's it. Other than that, the mechanicals of what's going on here, it's almost the game that is played as opposed to there is anything mechanical that you need to either know about or find out about inside the episode. Yeah. I really think that that's brilliant inside this episode. <laughs> Mac being blinded and the tools Deke leaves behind. I only made a note of this because as the episode is ramping up in the front end of the episode, I'm like, well, I've got to make some notes of something. Otherwise, I'm going to have no notes for anything because it's moving so fast. <laughs> so I, I have to tell you, while Mac being blinded, I thought was excellent. I thought that the makeup effects that were done, I thought were terribly appropriate. Mm, yeah. I thought that the acting done by, by Mac was extraordinary because for those of you that think, so now act like you're blinded quick. That can get really stupid really, really quickly. <laughs> right. And that doesn't happen inside this episode at all. At this point in time, we think, oh, shit, Mac's been blinded by radiation. <laughs> There's nothing good about that. Now, sure, we do have the bio bed, and it probably would fix him, but he would have to stay in there for a while to be fixed. Right. So he's pretty much useless this episode. Yeah. And you know what? That's funny that you've you've evoked the bed that fixes anything. I didn't. I hadn't even thought of that until just now. So yeah, we've got we've like, got oh, our man. we've got our get out of jail free card where where healing is concerned. Well, healing one well, I guess even from death asterisk. Well, it worked but, for me. Yeah, yeah. She was yeah. mostly dead. <laughs> mostly, and of course, then the tools that are punctuated by the, the extraordinary cologne <laughs> that is showcased inside this episode and i got a good laugh out of that because i'm like i i even tried to to freeze frame which by the way jeers to hulu for freeze frame ability you can't yeah well you can freeze frame but then all the text and then the screen goes dark which i get it i i, I realize you're probably <laughs> trying to prevent people from getting screenshots which you just use your camera anyway and get a screenshot blah whatever anyway i wanted to see what was actually there and i couldn't freeze frame it light enough so that i could in interpolate what exactly was going on behind the dark yeah so, and it, blah. it really just looked like a bunch of junk as a matter of fact because of the look on Sim simmons face her, her her stuttering while speaking is what made me think it was important well it made me feel think that it had nothing to do with deke and it was Something that mm -hmm. Fitz had mm -hmm. left, mm -hmm. and she was just having a one of those memories of, oh, God, I miss Fitz. It's a good thing that I don't remember anything about what I'm seeing. Otherwise, it would be bad. Right, that, right. That, yes, but then, totally it, but then it turns out it's just some of Deke's really horrible 80s cologne. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. I, uh, I'll share it. I have, a, I have a small bottle of 80s cologne still. <laughs> I, I bet you could. I, I bet you could probably strip paint with that stuff now. I, 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 I gotta tell you though, it smells so good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it smells so good. I, I don't have it on my dresser or anything. It's tucked away in a box. Though for I, special I, occasions. <laughs> and the, uh, the 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 bottle. I just remember it specifically because it was black with this. I I I always had always wanted it to be real gold on top. <laughs> But it wasn't, and uh, any anyway, uh, th this was incredibly evocative and reminded me of a great many things, including my own leftover '80s cologne. Daisy isn't clairvoyant; it's a feedback loop, and Daisy is the compass. So again, as this episode progresses, it bamps back on itself enough that you realize that yes, it is a feedback loop. And of course, for anybody that is, I guess, maybe my age, I'm now 50, a little bit younger, you might go, oh, well, let's let's resort back to time and the other television episodes that you've seen inside of other television series. And what typically happens inside of loop, time loop, super duper loop-de-loop -loop episodes? And so my, my brain starts calculating, okay, well, how stupid is this going to get and how quick? Because for the most part, I got to tell you, these are usually not the best episodes. They, they just aren't in, in other in other television shows, not this show. 
thankfully. But inside of other television shows, there are so very few that I can count where I go, boy, I could really use me some of that. There's one inside of Next Generation that I really enjoyed because it's almost exactly the same. The, uh, the finale, All Good Things, is, is essentially this, where it's there's something that happens and the time window begins to shrink. So it's, yeah, it's, but that one that one just takes you to three different time periods. Right, but it, it's still it's a ticking it's a ticking clock working well, backwards with the main stars that you've known for a long time. When I'm thinking about these shows, there's an episode of Stargate SG One mm-hmm. that has Richard Dean Anderson, mm, yeah. uh, his character, mm-hmm. and Teal'c, the uh, big alien the guy, the, the big the yeah. gold thing on his forehead. Exactly, yeah. and they get stuck in a time loop, and of course, you know, by the end of the episode, they get out. But it's I call these Groundhog Day episodes. Oh, well and, said. And you are well correct. Said. Almost every single science fiction and or fantasy show has done an episode like this. Yes. And most of them are bad. Sucketh. Farscape. I'm not saying the Farscape episode. Uh, season one of Farscape had an episode called Back to Back to Back to the Future. Mm. where, again, a time loop, very similar to kind of like this, affects our main character, and Mm -hmm. he keeps living the same handful of hours over and over again, trying to not watch his he he and his friends die and or explode and things like that. And I was right there with you. I'm like, as soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, God, we're Groundhog Daying it. Yes. Because I was really worried because this episode is actually directed by Elizabeth Henstridge. So I'm like, oh, oh, yes, I really hope this is good. You know, I I want her to be able to have a great experience doing it. And I want the show, the episode to be good. And then, oh, we're doing Groundhog's Day. Yes. But the first sign of hope with this was when they actually replayed the logo again. And I'm like, oh. We're being a little cheeky with this. You know what you're doing. You're actually poking fun at this subgenre of sci-fi fantasy storytelling, and the ones that don't do it right, right, specifically. So yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, totally okay, you. I'm totally with you. That is as right. of right now, you're at a seven, right? And then they did the Groundhog Day thing, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I got to put you at a six. But then it was like, oh, yeah. And, and and I will join you there. I even I even I even thought to myself, okay, you are riding the pedigree of greatness this season. So that also tends to bump it up or at least squish it in the right position to to chalk the number up as we go. Uh-huh. So I, I was really happy that they got to the fact that this is this is a time loop episode. Asterisk <laughs> Third time is a charm. And thankfully to the rule of threes, which I have come to live and die for, especially for in regard to writing. It's uh, over the last, I don't know, four or five years, making sure that third time is a charm, things come in threes. All of those things have always benefited me. Mm. And not any surprise here, we come around to the third time and suddenly things are starting to fall into place. Where things look very, very common, but they are not exactly the same. And it even looks like you might actually have impact. And sure enough, the only thing more charming than the third time is L.M. Coulson's interaction. This was great because it almost becomes like a kazoo interaction. The, the kazoo, you're, for those of you that don't remember. You're throwing Flintstones at us I now, am. huh? I am. I'm throwing Flintstones. For those of you that are too young that, and don't know Flintstones and kazoo, kazoo is the little Martian alien dude inside of Flintstones that appeared to talk to Fred and Barney, but could never be seen by anybody else. Right. Well, and that kind of happens here, at least for the first front end of this. Of course, we know that L.M. Coulson is a real being slash character slash person inside of this episode. We know that. Of course, we know that inside of this episode, especially in the front end, as she's running through all of this, she realizes that he too is also at least remembering some of this. And then that begins to grow as the episode grows as well. But his ability to be the microphone hearing what she's saying is exactly what Kazoo offered to Fred and Barney inside of the Flintstones episodes, which is they they could say whatever they wanted to Kazoo and know that all that information would never really go anywhere that mattered. And... It gets even better because it doesn't matter on the front end 
And then it starts to matter infinitely at the end of the episode. So you get this wonderful kazoo impact, except that it gets even more robust as the as the episode continues on. I, I really enjoyed that. I also enjoyed tremendously what Clark Gregg did with L.M. Coulson inside this episode. He he once again has struck that tenor of it's not over acty, it's just enough charisma, and you know he's a he's a robot, and there's enough frantic that's presented so that you know something's askew. It's it's not this is not the guy that they plugged in and put to sleep inside of the end of the last episode. There's something else that's going on here. Something is impacting him, whether it's the time looping or the realizations that he's had while he's sleeping or while he has had while he has been sleeping and waiting for Daisy to re-arrive. You can see that that has affected him. Well, I think it's I think it's all three of those. It's the fact that because he's our exposition. Yes. He's the reason yeah. why we yeah, yeah. know that the stakes are even higher than just being stuck yeah. in a time loop because he informs her, oh, so I got to teach you all this over again because you died. I died? Yeah, we've done this multiple times. Yeah. So so this is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. And he's exacerbated at the whole situation because he's the only one who remembers. Right. Daisy, if she dies, forgets everything. They get to have this relationship where they're the only two people that can continue to learn. Mm-hmm. But if something bad happens to Daisy, it's back to square one. And for, and for him, it's, I have to do this all over again, and, and how can I do it? The frustration for an artificial intelligent life form, whatever you want to call what L.M. Coulson is, he is, he is incredibly human. Well, and what I really liked about all of this is that there is no time inside of this episode where you go, oh, right, L.M. Coulson, the robot. There isn't anyone. He doesn't, like, pop off his hand and it's suddenly a mechanical thing that's moving all on its own. Or right. open a hatch in his forehead or, you know, pop his leg off the kneecap. and zzz, 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 zzz. There isn't anything like that in this. And that, that's also what I really appreciated about this episode is that he has embodied, Clark Gregg has embodied this character. Yeah. In addition to having already been Coulson and... And Sarge and all these other things that he's done over the course of his run inside of the show. And it's it's just it's tremendous. Math gets serious and from the top. You had alluded to this where LM Colson is essentially the Rosetta Stone of what the hell is going on. Right. Because he's already inside of a biostasis chamber. And so he's 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 got the mechanics as well as the saved the, the ram essentially that that's able to save onto the 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 held on memories when everything reboots mm. and jumps back to jumps back to form. And I love the ramping ability this offers because in the span of forty seconds, it goes from man this is really screwed up to you got to be fucking kidding me. What what I really enjoyed about this is that all it took was one number in an iteration that lasted 15 seconds, and you suddenly realize that there is a true clock that is ticking really, really fast, Mm -hmm. and that they've only got so many chances for this to work. And while you know that there's 43 minutes inside of this episode, you know that there are four episodes left inside this season of the final season, you, you know all that. You got all that committed. You're in. But you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that it's extraordinary that a show that's this long in the tooth, that is a, quote, stupid comic book show, can solicit that response from, I'm assuming, everybody that was watching it. Not just you and I that are obviously zealous fans of this show because we review it every week. No. But for anybody that would watch this show now and in the future, that latch on and stay in this part of the show... They're going to have the same zeal and interest because it is presented so well inside this episode. All right, same thing, but faster. This is tremendous. Again, it instantly steps on the gas pedal by doing almost nothing. This is the part of the recipe, the formula that this show has built over the seven years of being able to balance humor without being ha-ha jokes. Yes, with yes. the drama of the storytelling. Right. And in no vein, there's no there's no 
there's no set of glasses that you can put on to have the perspective of, oh my God, that's incredibly dry, quirky humor, thanks to Marvel. <laughs> there isn't anything like that that you put on from the sentence, same thing, but faster. It, it's just what's going on and instantly steps hard on the gas pedal yeah. of what's going on without any effort at all. Again, you and I have said this, I don't even know how many times now, that a show like this, with this many characters, in a window of 43 minutes, every single week of this show that it's on, can do this. But we can't get this from these mega movies that have 20, 50 times the budget that this show has. And they can't do it at all during a two-hour and two-minute run? Balderdash. And again, I I so want these writers and the people that make shows like this to have a springboard based on everything that they're making now so that in the future they can prosper and make more great entertainment like this. And frankly, it's why you and I do podcasts like this one, because this is the kind of programming that we want all of you to listen to and watch, because the more people that watch and listen to and revel in this content, the more like this content you're going to get. If you choose to go and look at The Bachelorette and all of the other crap programs that are on and somehow make them popular by doing your due diligence downloads on crap, we are going to get more crap. That's why you got to watch this show, you've got to download this show, and you've got to tell everyone you can about the quality of this show. We're not downing anybody that enjoys crap. All right, fine. Go ahead and alienate anybody that that doesn't (laughs) like what you like, Mike. That's fine. I'm going to add just a little bit on, I understand if you want shut your brain off entertainment. And that is what reality TV really is, is shut your brain off entertainment. And I don't fault anybody for it, but Mike is right. If you want higher quality, you have to demand higher quality. Right. And this is a show that is a perfect example of high quality. Having the pace ramp up as time is winding down. We've already said this a couple of times now in a couple of different ways, but I love it. It, it feels like you're in the center of this wonderfully spiraling out of control carousel ride. And all you can do is watch. You can't stop watching. What, one of the things I was sure to do, and this is, for, this is actually a suggestion to one of the listeners, it was suggested that rather than trying to take notes while I'm watching, why don't you be struck by something and then hit the pause button, make your note, and then continue? And I thought to myself, boy, that's never going to work. <laughs> but you know what? It did. It did. When something struck me, I hit the pause button for a moment, I typed my little note, and then I moved on. And hit and hit resume button, and then we're back in. We're running full throttle, and it really did help, especially inside of an episode like this. Where had I tried to take notes and also pay attention to what was going on, and hopefully not miss any of the things that were super quick, because of course they're super quick, because the pace is ramping up as time is winding down. I would have been lost inside of this episode completely. Is this the first time you've ever tried doing that? I, well, see, I don't like to do that. I, I. I I, because of the frenetic pace of this episode, I think I had to. Mm-hmm. But traditionally, I don't like to do that because I, 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 I wish I had the time to watch each episode twice before we did the review, mm-hmm. where I could do the one where I capture the notes and the bullet points and then just sit and take it in because that's when I, I really do feel like I've gotten exactly what I want out of each of the episodes. Right. I think in season four, three or four, I think I did that. And it's just my schedule was completely different back then, and I yeah. had the availability to do that. I don't have that right now. And so being able to jump in and, 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 and grab what I can, how I can, it, it really is very interesting. Gas, then death. Wow. This was tremendous because I thought what we were going to have was kind of a uh, another quick talking textile moment. And then some sort of info dump to tell us what's going on. Because inside of any other television program, that's exactly what would have happened. We would have been able to connect up to the, the, the swimming doohickey uh, flipper, flipper nut hook hooker thingamabob thing that's floating around inside of Simmons' brain. And, and then have info dump. Because info dumps is what they showed us so well. 
Well, that's not what we get at all. <laughs> I mean, like, all right. Uh, it all goes sideways, and you suddenly see Simmons slumped to the ground, and you're like, what the hell was that? What? The, what, what, what? And then you're like, oh, well, she slumped to the ground. So, yeah, ah, I know what will happen. You know what will happen? We'll come back the next time, and Daisy will do something, so she's not going to slump over at all. And so that's what they present. They go, you know what? We'll have Daisy go into the into the cage with her. And she does go into the cage. And now she slumps over and she's dead. Yeah. And I love that. Again, it's that it's that frenetic pace, even though there was lull in that, okay, this is slowed down, this is slowed down. We've we stepped forward some, we kind of know what's going on now. And no, you don't. <laughs> And I love that. I it, thought that, that that was tremendous. It's one of the ways that it it ratches up the quality of this type of of show, not not the show in general. This type of episode, the Groundhog Day episode, mm-hmm. by changing it, you have to do something different. If you're going to do the over and over and over and over again, you have to make things different. Yeah. And this does that. It's like, well, what? But what? Because there's. There's, there's no reason why they should be dead. How are they dead? And it goes from, all right, so we have a we have a limited amount of time to figure out how to fix things, and let's go. It turns into, well, well now we've got a mystery. Right. Suddenly, it's Clue. And there it is. And, and it was perfect, man. It's like, okay, was it Simmons... In the study with the candlestick, <laughs> this was tremendous. This is so awesome because you're looking at all of them and you're like, okay, all right, well, let's suss this out. It was Deke in the hangar bay <laughs> with the crappy '80s cologne. <laughs> That's exactly right. You're running through like, okay, what have we seen? Ironically, this reminds me of exactly how all of the Sherlock Holmes movies are supposed to run, where it doesn't show you anything. It, it doesn't it doesn't give you anything and it actually gives you the story as you go along in the episode and Imagine no, that. no because at the end of every and not even the Robert Downey jr movies any of the Sherlock Holmes movies there's always the ah but of course my dear Watson you didn't know this so I'm going to tell you in exposition so me personally I would rather see a story being told than being just told that so that's why I enjoy the Robert Downey Jr. movies, and I will continue to defend those films <laughs> that's fine. on this podcast or any other podcast you and I appear on you can, you can while you poo-poo to, on them. That's right. You can continue to defend them, and I need to fulfill my promise to rewatch the, the original one. All right. Anyway, as we get back to what we're talking about inside of this episode. I'm sorry, everybody. That's right, man. The, the, the gist is that I love it. I, I love that we're now inside of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. clue game. It's almost like you go, okay, let's see. Uh, WWE Monopoly. Got it. Oh, what's this? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. clue. Hmm, very interesting. And, of course, in there is a picture of the uh, a map that is the Zephlorian <laughs> with the hangar bay and med bay and the, the bio bedroom and a, a chair for Susa to sit in and everything. <laughs> Everything else, man. It just it would be awesome. And so here we are. We're we're suddenly inside of the middle of Clue. I loved it. Did someone say someone was replaced by a Chronicom? No problem. Go go May Gadget Chronicom Detector. So what I thought was going to happen was that it would be at least at least one of the iterations where May walks around and gets or touches some everybody in the room, and except for Enoch, well. Now everybody knows that the only person that is a Chronicom in the room is the Chronicom. And wouldn't have that been the interesting pointer? To quote the Clue film, somebody replaced by Chronicoms was just a red herring. <laughs> right, right. Because it was too early in the episode for that to actually right. be the logical solution. Correct, correct. Anyway, I, I just, that's something that didn't get explored. But again, but well played, because happen. that's what you think is going to happen. It's right. like, Absolutely. if you assume Absolutely. somebody's a Chronicom, then you send in May. Right. But I don't even think they believed that they had been, that, that a Chronicom had replaced somebody. It was one of those, they were straight, they, they were grasping at straws. Right, because they couldn't figure it out. Right. Although, right. He, while, we're, while we're throwing straws into the pool, how about this one? How about they know that somebody has poked a hole inside of the environmental what's-its thing, pod, tube, whatever, that right. gasses 
in the in the first case Simmons, and then in the second case Simmons and Daisy. Mm-hmm. And all they got to do is go back to the camera that would have shown who went in there and actually took a knife and poked a hole in whatever in whatever duct, so that now it leaks gas and kills people. Wouldn't have taken that long to fast forward past all of the what exactly is going on, and you'd see exactly the same thing. Yes, but that all the deaths usually happened there at the end of the loop. So when it would start over, there would be no footage to go back and look at. Right, but someone would have remembered that, i.e. either Well, right. They could they could do Well, yes, but then you're setting somebody else up to die. Because well, you more, have to have more, you, more peril. You have to Well, well, look, it's okay. Why not? They'll be fine in the next jump. <laughs> right, that's my point. If, if that, that's something else But that see, I, that's that, that's, that's not, not the right really point though because once we get to the Colson scene where he talks about watching his friends die over and over, then you become a heartless bastard. Uh, that's true. But again, it's it's if you're going to follow in on the paradigm and then jerk the wheel to the left, there's jerking the wheel to the left. Talking tech. So simple a removal. <laughs> this is very much like the discovery of the thing, the pod, the thing that looks like one of the pod things out of the Matrix thing that's been shoved into 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 Simmons' head. And it's so simple. The removal is so simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like stupid simple. It's a, I don't know, a 30-frame animation and then some appropriate camera rig. That's it. That's all this is. And I love it, again, when things are so simple that can be delivered so effectively inside an episode that is this frantic. You can't have this long, drawn-out thing, so you need something quick and simple. And, by the way, here it is. That's where we ask you guys, what did you find that was a talking tech moment? There were several inside this episode that you could call into question. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill in the quick web form and tell us what you think. Enoch is the program sleeper. Thank you, appreciated L.M. Coulson guilt trip. Man, two items here. One that Enoch is the programmed sleeper. So I think probably equally, if not better cool than Gemma having a probe in her brain that prevents her from remembering the location and goodies in regard to Fitz. We now have... The programmed being that is also subprogrammed so as to murder everybody to prevent the information that Simmons is holding inside of her brain being found out. Wow. I would have loved to have been cage side for that meeting discussion because wow. Oh, wait, not nearly enough to be impressed by? Well, great. Let's talk about the L.M. Coulson guilt trip, because I thought that that was equally as awesome. Uh, again, a total nod to the, uh, the cap to Clark Gregg inside of this episode. He, he is singularly winning all kinds of awards that will not be awarded because of whatever COVID True. is going to do to entertainment this next year. That doesn't mean, the COVID has nothing to do with it. Emmys and the Golden Globes don't pay attention to shows that that foster this kind of storytelling because it's beneath them. Right. In any case, it's it's going to be terribly wasted on people that would wouldn't have appreciated the content anyway. But wow, I, I will stack what Clark Gregg is doing with this character inside this season up against just about any character I've ever seen on television, and and then wonder where the hell is the accolade because this is this is this is just. It's so resonating. I, I love everything that he says here inside of this this appreciated guilt trip that he rides here. This is an example of what happens when you slow down the pace. Because if you're always going fast, 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 well, sure, that might be entertaining. I mean, there's a Michael Bay action movie for you. Right. But where's the substance in that? You don't get any time for character development and character interactions, honestly, all it is is shoot, 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 explosion, explosion, ramp up, ramp up. Mm-hmm. And when you can balance where pace is concerned, the ability to notch everything up but then slow it down just enough to have those moments inter- spur- sprinkled around to where something like this can happen. 
two characters who are frustrated, they're running out of time, L.M. Coulson remembering a hell of a lot more than Daisy because he never forgets. Mm -hmm. And we get this, this moment where he kind of just unburdens himself. They don't have time for this, but it's needed. Right. He needs it. Mm -hmm. It's even more brilliant because he even calls out the cliche that it is. I get. I watch my friends die over and over and over again. And he even says, I, I get that this is supposed to be some moral journey for me because I get the irony. And the fact that they actually give this character that insight instead of just everybody at home going like, well, now you know how everybody else feels, man. And, and, and how it leads to the conclusion of, it's got to be Enoch. It has to be Enoch. There's something else about Enoch we don't know. And that's that Sherlock Holmes aha moment, Yeah, which it, I absolutely love. Yeah, it, I mean, it bleeds perfectly into that. There, the, the on-ramp to the aha moment is, again, what I think is missing in so many other things. And, and it's wonderfully presented here. Sue says, I know people like you speech. Well, if you weren't already endeared to one Agent Sousa, you sure as hell now are. Because there's the speech I would love to give every one of my friends that I give any shit about at all. There are, there are reasons that you hang around people that you bother to give time to and why you don't afford time to people that you don't hang around with or don't have any interest in hanging around with them, whether it's in a workplace or perhaps perceivably even in your family. And I love that Sousa lays it all on the line here. Well, I mean, we pretty much called this a handful of episodes ago one of the reasons why he stuck with Daisy before, you know, he was going to quit and just get off the get off the bus and then, you know, stuck with her while she was convalescing. It was she reminds him of Peggy. Mm -hmm. Everybody in the pool. So now it's time to gang up on the subconsciously programmed accidental sleeper murder bot. <laughs> and so the numbers increase exponentially each iteration so as to hopefully be able to stave him off long enough so that the plan can take course and succeed. Well, obviously Daisy and L.M. Coulson can't do it. They need more help. <laughs> right. And it doesn't work either. <laughs> and and I, I really appreciated that because you would think, oh, well, it's going to be easy. If you can't do it with three, surely five can do it. And then they kind of give us that the, the cheap television version of the uh, the second Avenger film with all the littered dead hero bodies. <laughs> Except that some of them are talking because, of course, there would be talking because they're not quite dead yet. Oh, man, Just Deke. Was... Deke was the only one who was dead. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I really, I really appreciated that. It was a fun nod, and again, taking the, taking the foot off the gas pedal and jerking the wheel to the left and the right while you're watching. I, I thought that that was great. Oh well, it also shows that, the the it shows the difference between a Chronicom, and a LMD with Chronicom technology fused to it. Yeah. Just because you've got some extra oomph to you, you still can't take on the real deal. Yeah. Sousa jukes the murder bot. <laughs> Another avenue in helping to make sure that the murder bot doesn't murder everybody. And, well, that doesn't work either. And then a password. I guess that they should have mentioned that there was a password that prevented Simmons from being able to give the authorization over to Enoch to not murder everybody. Whoops. Of kisses and such. I think everybody knows pretty much where I stand on on-screen kissing and a couple of characters getting ready to hook up in general. This was sweet. It was yeah. well-timed, sweet, touching. Aww. I guess one would say this is probably this is this has got to be her first real relationship, her first real like feelings of ooh since Lincoln. Mm. Yeah, 
far be it for me to be Mr. Prude because we all know out of the, out of the duo of us, you're a little bit more prudish than I am. But he is a little bit older than uh, her. Agreed, but he's a man out of time, so it's kind oh, of the ultimate. It's a man out of time does not change the fact that he's such and such years old. But this actually hammers home a very interesting character trait of Daisy having daddy issues <laughs> because she grew up not knowing who her father was. Mm. Then mm. when she finds out who her father is, well, you got some. It's it's why she clung to Colson. It's they they never had any kind of romantic entanglement. Mm -hmm. It was more of a father daughter kind of uh, relationship. Yeah, and it it just grew. So I can understand why she could be drawn by this this very attractive, very caring, yet very deep. Deep waters run through Susa. I can understand the appeal. I just just seeing it is just like oh well. I mean you've. Got, you've had a different type in the past, and maybe she's growing up. Maybe she wants the good guy, the nice guy, the guy that doesn't have any kind of like real psychological problems. I, I don't know. I don't know. M maybe I'm just jealous. I think you're probably just jealous. <laughs> Shut up. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> the, 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 the gist is that it, it, it works. It, it's a couple of it puzzle totally pieces. It totally does work, yes. Yeah, it's a couple of puzzle pieces that are put together, and rather than it being... Uh, a, a moment that reviles it is a moment that the two pieces snap into place and you go yeah electrocom technobabble typically when a series will insert technobabble like this where the MacGuffin has been foundeth and all we've got to do now is blah whatever it is I would start to get very very worried not in this episode not by a stretch because it's moving so quickly, they've already engaged me from so many different directions that I think they might have been actually able to throw me something in the way of a flashback episode. <laughs> and I would have probably taken that in as well because I'm, just, I'm in. I'm all in at this point. And so it was very easy to take in that there is this Electricom thing inside of Enoch that can bail us out of everything we need. Right. At the price of his life. No glass between lives, just friends, time, and death. When I first read the title of this episode as I was queuing up Hulu, as soon as I read the words, as I have always been, those words have a particular connotation, and I think for anybody my age that has an allure to science fiction, they will always have a drift towards a certain movie, the second of which that was issued that features a certain man that would say rich Corinthian leather. And that movie is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. The scene I'm not referring to is not anything involving Ricardo Montalban, of course. It is the end scene of that film that still, to this day, destroys Mike Wilkerson. Because while I did not see the original Star Trek, I've become very steeped in Star Trek, in particular being able to go back and watch the classic episodes with a completely different eye than I would have had probably any time in my life. And I don't know if it's because there was an original true interest of my dad in that show, but the, the brotherhood and the friendship that was created by Kirk and Spock mm -hmm. is one that I think drifts across anybody that has any appreciation at all in regard to true friendship and science fiction and the partnership thereof even beyond science fiction it's if you have especially long form storytelling whether it be television movie series or books you have to have at least one pair of characters like that yeah because yeah. that is how the reader or the watcher is able to imprint themselves and their experiences with let's say their best friend yeah and it's funny that you say that too because Inside of Star Trek II, and for those that haven't watched Star Trek II, giant ass spoiler alert, uh, My, uh, nothing I, I, good happens no, at the end. I of, hate to interrupt, but I have to tell this quick story. Yes. My wife has never watched any of the original Trek, and she's barely watched any of the newer stuff after The Next Generation. Right. She knows of Star Trek. Right. She is more familiar with the J.J. Abrams stuff. Right. But she knows who William Shatner is. She knows, oh yeah, he was Captain Kirk. Right. She knows that... Leonard Nimoy, oh, that's that's Spock. 
I sat her down, and this was this is a handful of years ago, but I sat her down and I said, you know what? Even if you're not a Trek fan, this is a solid flick. Yeah. I sat her down and and, and we watched Wrath of Khan and she loved it. Yeah. Because it is a solid sci-fi film. Yes. It, it, it's got every manner of what you'd want inside of storytelling. Yeah. It, it, there isn't anything that doesn't exist inside of that film that isn't ripped from someplace else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it not only stands on its own, but when you then throw the actors that are incorporated, the fandom that's incorporated, the yeah. special effects that are incorporated, and most importantly, the legend that is created by not just that movie, but those people, it instantly morphs it into this other thing. And so when you have a title of an episode like this one, as I have always been. And then you get to the scene where now, in a completely different environment, though not separated by glass, like Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, and Spock were, you now have these three. And it's incredibly dramatic. It, 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 it allows you to watch all of the characters breathe, but never once, not once, and I watched, I watched it as, as this went, because I was ready to go off on anything I saw that was stupid. <laughs> and not at any point ever across any of the three characters was there anything disingenuine. It was all superbly genuine. Yeah. There were no overdramatics from Enoch. The, 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 the quiet sobbing that was offered by Daisy was perfect. And then, of course, L.M. Coulson, once again, Clark Gregg. Yeah. Giant schlong in the face, awesome delivery. You gotta be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. It was perfect. He's like, I I I get it, man. I totally get it. But listen. And he almost explains away death for him. And in explaining away death, you can watch the programmed man accept death. Mm. It was incredibly striking to me. Uh, the thing that also propels it and something that also helps the scene in Wrath of Khan is during both scenes, there is no there there is no score. Nothing. There is nothing. It is the characters and they are talking. There's the background noise of the ship in both cases, and that is it. Yeah. And because we're able to bring things down and have such a quiet moment. Intimate. Very, very intimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So intimate, in fact, that I'll take your chocolate man and box of tissues <laughs> and I'll raise you <laughs> Daisy, Enoch, and Ellen Coulson because I was reduced yeah. to big blubbery man flesh yeah. during this point. And yeah, by the time nice. that the scene ended and the shield logo went up, I was like, what? what? It's over already? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, th- this was just incredible, and and that actually leads us to our next bullet point. An end to drama that isn't dramatic. I'd already stated this, but I wanted to make sure we hit it again, because, because it is not emblematic of what you would see inside of any other television show right now. What you would have gotten was insert drippy sanctimonious, dramatic-laden death scene. And you get none of that here. None. Absolutely nothing. It is it is a piece of drama, but it is in no way overdramatic. Right. Wait a minute. What happened to my stupid f***ing Friday night comic book show? I don't know where you've been, Mike, but... <laughs> It hasn't been the stupid comic book show in a very, very, very long time. No, and I'm telling you. For all of you who left and did not come back, guys, I mean, come on. You so missed out. I mean, you can go back. You can. Thanks to streaming. For for those of you that are still watching and have been in the game, go back to your friends and don't point and laugh. Urge them to go back and get back in the game. Be the friend that you are. Be Enoch. Be selfless. <laughs> and be, take be them. Be Daisy and L.M. Coulson to one side or the other to your friends that bailed. Because they will appreciate so much when they get to, even if it's only this episode. It, 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 it It's so incredibly interesting that you can 
literally, I want to go back and I want to watch season one, episode one, and I just want to watch, and then I want to hit the stop button and I want to go, wow, you know what? What kind of an achievement was this that you yeah. can start there, and you end up here? It, it, it's extraordinary. She now understands that she is dangerous, and she likes it. As we come back to the stinger, we get what I think is some more incredibly robust special effects. The wine glasses being destroyed one by one very, very quickly by someone with now trained, tweaked energy powers. And as the camera pulls left and wide, who do we see? We see Cora. Cora and being able to lusciously look at her hands and realize that while she knew that people thought she was dangerous, she now understands that she is dangerous and she likes it. Yep, all that time with Nathaniel has uh, definitely paid off for good old Cora, which makes me wonder when our next episode starts, where are we going to be timeline-wise? Yeah, I also wonder if we're going to actually jump back into what is a now we're going to watch time unfold thing happen. Yeah. Because I, I can't believe that Nathaniel would just sit around and wait for the agents to show up again another decade or two. You know, it, it seems like he's got plans and he's he's moving and he's moving quick. So I don't again, here we are. We're, we're, we're right back at I don't know what to expect. Right. And not only are we there, we're there after an episode that probably pushed us through the episode faster than any other episode that we've seen so far this season. Yeah, I mean, it was... It huge was, achievement. Yeah, yeah. Huge achievement here at the end of Episode 9, Season 7, the final season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This is the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual Advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to Perpetual Advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, we're focusing on Season 7, the final season, Episode 9, As I Have Always Been. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to break out our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. This 
the Shield dossiers are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, Clark Gregg, a storytelling element inside the program, pacing was outstanding, or something else that tripped our collective review night, fantastic. Nick, what do you got? Well, Mike, there were a lot. A ton. I, I, we, I, we don't I, have a box long enough for the, yeah, the S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. I, I would need an entire long file box. case. Yeah. <laughs> uh, filing cabinet to uh, to fill. I, I need a Brinks truck for this one. Right, right. There's. I had to figure out, okay, where's the heart of this episode? Mm. And ironically enough, it all falls to Enoch. So my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier has got to be Joel Stouffer's performance as Enoch. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I know we've talked about it, it's that, that whole last scene where they say, okay, well, this is what we need. Oh, but, but you know, Enoch, it's not going to be good. He just rips it right out. Well, this is what you need. This, this is my opportunity. I, I get to save all the people that I love, and I would assume that all of you would do that for me. And this was a character I remember way back when he was introduced. We didn't know how to feel about the character because it was just just like, what? Very interesting. What is he to begin with? Right, right? exactly. Yeah. And over the last three seasons, the character who, you know, disappears for a little while. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's not in every, he hasn't been in every single episode, but Mm -hmm. damn it, when he shows up, he's always just a little bit different, but always Enoch. Yeah, there's a core. Yeah, there is a Mm -hmm. core. And we haven't said goodbye to a cast member in a while. Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody that we actually cared about. Somebody that's been around for more than a season. I I can't remember. No. And here we go. We've, We've lost an honorary member of the team. And that death scene, this show even though it's got four episodes left, will be sorely lacking. There will be there will be a spot. There will be an open spot that you can definitely feel the presence being missed of Joel Stopher and his character of Enoch because, damn it. But what a way to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's two things I want to I want do to pile on to your, your dossier, which is extraordinary. Go for it. The, the, the first thing is, and something we didn't mention inside of my let's make sure we make everybody cry that's listening to the podcast (laughs) moment (laughs) is the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. I didn't even glance on that inside of my note recently, but it's probably one of the most endearing pieces that you can think of, not just in regard to that movie Mm -hmm. or in regard to drama in general, but any job that you've got, whether it's you being a husband or you being a father or you being a member of a, an elite team of special agents. And it's exactly what we're given here. It's another pylon moment into something that has happened in a great many films, all of which have a different color and flavor than what we see here. But again, Star Trek II is probably the closest, mm. where he willingly, instantaneously, not dramatically, pops out the thing that he knows that if he doesn't have, he's going to die, and here you go. Get it done. Yeah. And it, again, gets back to that it being drama, but not being dramatic. And I love that piece. The second piece is I've been very straightforward with my love-hate relationship of the character Data in The Next Generation. Yeah. For, for all intents and purposes, I really, really like Data. I think that he was used extraordinarily in a variety of places. Uh, one that always drives me to, again, fall into the blubbery pile of man flesh is the uh, episode featuring his daughter, Lol. Mm, yeah. It's an extraordinary episode. The only thing that made it more extraordinary is when I had my own daughter and then actually saw the episode again. And yeah. Double-sized, blubbering pile of man flesh. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Anyway, that pinnacle moment of Data's career and life when he was a father and then realized, and now I'm not a father because my daughter doesn't live anymore. That's a very interesting tack and probably the most endearing moment I remember of Data, all of them, including the one where Data dies, where I I don't really care. I I didn't. Well, I think had the story been better, I think we would have cared, but the the story of... I think we should have been solicited to care more, and I didn't. Oh, yeah. I I didn't care at all the way that that they, they wrote Data out. In fact, I can tell you, quite honestly, I cared more about Enoch 
and Enoch dying and the process of his yeah. death oh, yeah. than I did ever anything that happened with Data except that law moment. That one still destroys me. Anyway, I, I, I love your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. I think it's terribly appropriate. For my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier, I'm going to dig back squarely into something that we'd already talked about because I think it's that poignant. My S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier deals with Sousa's I know people like you speech. I would put Sousa's I know people like you speech squarely alongside Sharon Carter's speech at Peggy's memorial oh, event okay. Okay. inside of that film. Uh, the, the whole act as a tree when people tell you to move, say, no, you move. Plant yourself with both feet and say, no, you move. I would put both of those speeches into the same hole because they're so impassioned. Mm-hmm. They're, in fact, I think I would say even more. Sousa has absolutely no tether to anything that was. Nothing. There isn't a time machine where he dials the, 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 the clock and the numbers back, like in the, in the DeLorean, and can go back to exactly when he left and see ya. There is no going back moment. He knows that. And that he's willing to tell her everything that he is thinking, I think is an incredibly brave moment for him as a character, but also for him as a man. Because for those that have forgotten, Sousa is not from the time where men are very comfortably issuing feelings like that. Right, yeah, yeah. And so the the bravery that it takes for someone like him, that's been structured like him, thanks to Peggy as well, is that he's able to emote and give us the magic of the I know people like you speech. And I thought it was extraordinary inside this episode. That's where we ask you guys, what was your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier inside this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website over at agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what was your S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier. Ah, the rating inside this episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. Season 7, the final season, episode 9, as I have always been. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. Mike, Nick, and hundreds of thousands of other Star Trek fans watching the last 11 minutes of Star Trek II. A one is on the bottom of the heap. Everything about Star Trek Nemesis. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick, there are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? The funny thing about this episode there, there are three factors about this particular episode that should make it less than average, if not a very low score. I totally agree. Uh, we've already talked about the Groundhog Day mm-hmm. scenario. Mm-hmm. Usually, Time loop. yeah, it's just usually, it's usually uh, they just do not pull it off, and they rely on comedy to try and pull it off, and that's where you fail because if wacky it's, and zany, again, absolutely, yeah, there's no wacky and zany here. No. We've talked about Star Trek so much, uh, ironically enough, and, and maybe maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't, but you do realize in this episode the solution for the problem is figured out and, and put into place at the 41-minute mark. Yes. Everything that you, Mike Wilkerson, hate Correct. about Star Trek. Correct. And, and because I've podcasted with you for so long, I know you also hate this, this was a bottle episode mm. where we didn't go anywhere except the Zephlorian, not counting the stinger at the very end where we were back at Afterlife. So there are three strikes right there that should mean that this episode Instant is a failure. <laughs> well, guess what? This episode is a 10. There's no way around it. Yeah. If I could rate it higher, I would. And, and and to go back at the beginning of this episode, when I'm watching it and the, the Groundhog Day thing hits, I'm like, okay, everything starts at a seven when we start watching it. Yes. Now you're a six. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, all right. Well, you're back at a seven now. Oh, all right. Ooh, it's Clue. You're at an eight. Oh, wow. Enoch's the villain? How'd this happen? You're at a nine. E- Enoch. <laughs> no. Come back. You're... You're definitely a 10, man. You're a 10 all day long. So, yeah. Yeah, I rate this episode a 10. 
Yeah, I would join you in your incredibly dramatic reading of exactly how this episode ebbed. <laughs> the difference is that my scale. Yeah, I can like, do. I can do dramatic. Oh, brilliant! And not do drama. Brilliant! Brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> uh, except my, my scale was like okay well ah, you know time loop alright four and a half <laughs> you know come on man we're going to have a flashback and now I can start at one really what are we going to do here and then of course we oh get god to- it's a clip show <laughs> and, then, and then, then of course we got to the 75% mode and I'm like okay we're on 37 so yeah, how yeah. once again the Wilkerson scale is broken for every single human thing inside of Agents of Shield. So of course I give this episode a ten. And I mean I would ask everybody, but like what are you gonna rate this episode and not have Nick and I hunt you down? That's right. <laughs> but you know what we will ask? What did you rate this episode? Season seven, the final season, episode nine, as I have always been. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought. Until next episode, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mike, pass me the tissue. We're thankful you were able to review this covert communication. Reviewing the most recent episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on ABC. Be sure to tune in to our ongoing top-secret communication with agents all over the globe via our Facebook presence immediately. Facebook.com forward slash S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast to be the first to be made aware of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news, the arrival of our newest reviews, and more. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Okay, take a second. Extraordinary. Woo! I can't bring up Star Trek 2, man. You can't. You Sorry, can't, man. You can't fucking do that. Sorry, man. <laughs> it kills me. Because it's it it now it is playing in a loop in my head. <laughs> I know it from, is. From 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 Spock, <laughs> yeah. all the way to Amazing Grace, played on fucking bagpipes. He's dead already. <laughs> All the souls I've met in all my travels, his was the most human. (laughs) Just f***ing done. And I'm sitting there watching that with my wife, and I I warn her. I said, babe, there's going to be a part in this movie towards the end. I don't want you to look at me. Oh, that's so And of course she did, but, but still she understood because... She started tearing up too. Correct. So yeah, I, I, that, that is the. Instant. And I don't think you you don't have a fucking soul. Yeah, that is the. If instant. you don't have at least have a tear in your eye during that scene. Yeah, end of Star Trek or the, 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 that that particular scene in Star Trek Two is easily the sole barometer. Mm. <laughs>